Welcome to Real Estate Real World, where we talk to the movers, shakers, and leaders that are getting it done right now in the real estate industry and beyond. Your host is Marguerite Crispillo, and she started this podcast simply to talk to cool people about what's really happening in this crazy roller coaster ride of real estate. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and stay up to date on the newest stuff by adding yourself to the list at www.realestaterealworld.com. Now your host, Marguerite Crispillo. Welcome, everybody, to Real Estate Real World. This is Marguerite Crespillo, your hostess, and thank you so much for joining me today. I have a very special guest with me today, and we've had a little bit of technical difficulties, but we're survivors, so we're powering through it. So today I have Mitch Stevens, who has been self-employed real estate investor for 20-plus years. His real estate investing career started at the age of 23 when he read Nothing Down by Robert Allen. Mitch, together with his wife, Tommy, and his daughter, Shannon, purchased their fair share of local houses. Their company, Independence State Inc., has bought and sold over 1,500 properties now in and about San Antonio, Texas, since 1996. This company specializes in buying distressed properties with OPM, other people's money, and selling those properties with owner financing. So welcome to the show, Mitch. Hey, I'm here and alive and well. This is great. Thank you very much. <laughs> so you're in San Antonio. How's the weather out there? It's beautiful. It's about, is it beautiful today? Um, 76 degrees and sunny. Oh, nice. We've been in these uh, torrential rains, which is a little abnormal for us in Northern California. So got flooding going on and all kinds of stuff. So it's affecting Internet and a number of other things. But here we are now, so thank you for joining us. No, it's my pleasure, man. Get to talk to all so, the people out there in sunny California and, and, and parts beyond. Exactly. So tell us a little bit about how you got started in this. Like I think everyone gets to this place where they see where you are now, and they don't really realize what you went through because I love the title of your, your book here that says My Life and a Thousand Houses. Failing forward to financial freedom. I love the word failing forward because I don't think people see what it takes, right, to, to get to where you are now. So tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I failed at everything else, and real estate investing was the last thing left, and I was just going to have to go out and shoot myself. So, <laughs> so well, we're glad I, you didn't uh, do that. No, so um, I, I started out wanting to be a landlord, you know, buy and hold. And that was a big myth they had perpetrated on on all the investors out there. They they tell you, hey, you know, you owe you owe a thousand, and you only have to pay six hundred to borrow the money, so you're making four hundred dollars in the middle. And uh, they don't give one ounce of weight to that ton, that super long list of liabilities that you're responsible for. They don't give one ounce of weight to it, you know. So right. I found out that the hard way that um, you know that buy and hold. I can understand if you're paying for those houses cash how you might be able to, to make some money, but if, if you're borrowing the money and trying to make the money on the spread, you know, it takes one air conditioner and you're wiped out for the year. So that wasn't a good plan. I had gotten up to 25 houses. I was supposed to make $300 a month off each one, so I was supposed to make 7500 a month is what my plan was. Now, I knew it wouldn't go perfect, so I figured, you know, at least I'd make 3500 of that 7500 uh, Right. And that was about what my overhead was. So I was going to be okay. 
But uh, at the end of that year, I lost money. I didn't make any money, and I lost a little bit of money. And I got in a panic and uh, was about to give up on this business, too. And I hired somebody with the last $10,000 I had, which is the hardest thing in the world to do, is write that check. Exactly. He saw my risk. Yeah, he solved my problem in about two hours, explained to me what I was doing wrong, and told me I needed to quit being a landlord and that I needed to be the owner financier. I needed to be the bank. And then I'd, I'd, I'd keep the cash flow, but I'd lose all the liabilities. And uh, I didn't even really believe in my heart what he was telling me, but I didn't have a choice. I started talking to my tenants, and the ones that wanted to buy the house, we made agreements to sell them the house. And the ones that couldn't or didn't want to buy the house, we moved them out, and I found someone who did want to buy them. So in about four months, I took these 25 houses, and I had owners in them now instead of uh, renters. And uh, you could do the math for me real quick, right, Marguerite? What's 25 houses times 3,000 down? Well, that's what, 75,000, right? Yeah, so I had $75,000 in my bank account from down payments, which was not a refundable deposit. That was my money. It was my money. And wow. then I was collecting that $7,500 I thought I was going to collect as a landlord. I, it started hitting my bottom line as, a, as the bank, as the owner financier. So I was collecting payments, not rent anymore. And when the air conditioner broke or the faucet leaked or whatever, they didn't call me. They had to go fix it themselves. And so oh my goodness. I went from... Way better. I went from, you know, I, I saw it on Oprah Winfrey one time. You know, most of the people's success stories is that they hang on just beyond the doom and the gloom of everything, right? But right when it seems the worst, they just don't quit. And then there it is, the the, the silver lining, and, and you find your place. Well, that's what happened to me was I got all the way down to the gut-wrenching, you know, this is horrible and I'm about to have a lot of financial problems and all this other stuff. And then I paid someone who'd been there before to help me, and all of a sudden I woke up and I had $75,000 in the bank, and I was making 7500 a month every month without fail. And, wow. Uh, and then the note buyers called me, Marguerite. They called me, and they wanted to know if I wanted to sell my notes, my 25 notes. And I wow. did. I sold them the 25 notes, and I made another 17000 per house, even after their discounts. I need another seventeen thousand profit per house. So from the three thousand, wow. the three thousand I picked up in the down payments, and the the, the seventeen thousand I picked up when I sold the note. That's twenty thousand a house. I mean, I have you know a half a million dollars cash in the bank, and it, all, all in the turnaround of about six or seven months. And, you know, uh, there's that great book called Three Feet from Gold, and he talks about that. How you know so many people they dig and dig and dig and they get a few feet away and they just give up and turn the other way. And if you just keep going like you did and you bring in people who know more than you, uh, next thing you know, you can be in the situation you're in now. Yeah, I I read Three Feet from Gold, which is the offshoot of Think and Grow Rich, right? It's a continuation of Think and Grow Rich. Mm -hmm. And that that book also changed my life. That one in... in, um, I think I started my real estate career because I read a book by Robert Allen called Nothing Down. But another book that really helped me during a very discouraging time in my life was um, was Think and Grow Rich because I don't have a college degree, and I was starting to feel bad about that or feel held down about it. And after reading the book Think and Grow Rich, uh, it became apparent to me that 
a lot of those people that he was interviewing that were multi multi millionaires, cabillionaires, um, they didn't have they didn't have college degrees, and yeah. they were forced to go out and start their own companies. And then and then when they made those companies successful, they were the hundred percent beneficiary of what of their work. So I started to um, change my attitude about not having a college degree. As a matter of fact, I didn't start to change. I changed my attitude, but. It was a benefit for me not to have it because I had no choice but to be successful. You know, it's funny because uh, my friend Rick Ruby always says that he had a Ph.D. He has a public high school diploma, right? And uh, <laughs> I tell and, everyone I graduate. I tell everyone I graduated from La Calle U. <laughs> what does you that mean? La Calle means the street in Spanish. Oh, there you go. I love that. Yeah, my brother. Uh, so my brother Bob is the CEO of a of a company called Perfect Ten, and he didn't go to college either. And it's so funny because he always says that his um, perceived ignorance gets him way further because people underestimate him because he just seems like he he lives in Arkansas, so he's got this southern accent now, kind of like you. He says people just think you know I'm this dumb southern boy. They really don't have any idea. <laughs> You know, kind of, kind of sleuth type of method, right? Comes in behind the the, the underdogs per se. Yeah, and I I love underdogs. I've always been an underdog, and um, you know, kind of like buying an old beat up house. You really can't hurt it too bad. <laughs> so, so let's just go for it. <laughs> well, so tell me how I, I think that many people get intimidated a bit, right? By trying to buy buy homes. I know even for myself, you know, we had bought some properties in another state, but we bought them like right before the market crashed. And I feel like we made a bazillion mistakes, so that made us um, very gun-shy, you know, so to speak, and hesitant. And then I live in Northern California where, you know, prices are pretty high here in California. And so when you talk about a seventeen thousand dollar house, like I think the lowest house we probably got is like a hundred and seventy thousand. <laughs> you know? So how does somebody get past that a bit to be able to either a buy in a different state or or get over that that fear of losing it all again, especially when you don't have much to lose? Well, I think it's all about calculating your risks. Um, you know. When I was buying houses, I bought my first hundred houses uh, with credit cards. And my first hundred houses to flip, I bought with credit cards, and um, it almost cost me a divorce because I was newly married 27 years ago, and right. um, I thought I could still get away with things, and the wife wouldn't find out about it, which I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> which I've learned. I learned shortly after that. But you know, I was going out. To get my credit, I was going out to get the credit card bills before before she would get there to them, and um, and I missed one day, and you know, I owed hundreds. Of <laughs> you thousands always of get caught, right? You always get caught. <laughs> you always get caught. She was going to divorce me, and I I told her I said, look, I have all these. They're they're all going to sell, and I'm going to make this money. And she really had her bags packed. She was leaving, and I stepped between the car door and in her seat so she couldn't close the door and told her that if she'd give me 60 seconds, I'd explain to her why she was being irrational. <laughs> and so she looked at her watch and she said, okay, ready, go. And I said, uh, well, if you think that this is gambling, then I'm going to put it in your terms then. We're, 
we're at a poker table and I have a large amount of money on the table and you're leaving before I get my next two cards. Why don't you wait till you see the next two cards? Because what if I win? Wow. And I won. And and you're still, and I've, she's still and married winning, to you? I've been winning ever since. Yeah, we're still married. Uh, that's awesome. So 27 years later, you're still married and now obviously you turned everything around. Yeah, but for the first five years of my life, she kept screaming at me, when are you going to get a job? When are you going to get a job? I said, honey, I don't understand what you're talking about. I just did a deal this month that made more than you the whole year. What are you talking about a job? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, so help me understand a little bit like what – okay, so let's talk to the very first-time investor. What is is the best path for that type of person to take? I realize you read the book – you hired, uh, I'm assuming, some sort of a coach or a mentor type thing. Is that what you would recommend somebody doing? Uh, I, I, this is what I recommend first off. First off, I recommend that you stay to your reels or you go to your groups. You get as much free information as you can. You study your butt off on the Internet. Find all the different niches. Understand, you know, experiment. Go to different seminars, webinars. Listen to other people talk about all the different ways there are to make money. Find a way that you really like. I really like our owner financing. You know, I wrote my third book was My Life in a Thousand Houses, The Art of Owner Financing. And I I that's that's my strategy of choice, but I would recommend to people go out there and and get all the free stuff you can. And then once you're sure of the strategy that you want to learn, then scuttle everything else and dive drill in and drill down really deep on just that one strategy. Find out who's been doing it for a long time, and when you're really ready to do it, pay someone who's made millions and millions and millions of dollars in that one strategy so you can learn that one strategy and not not be confused with all the other things you could do. But it's hard to know really what – like, I mean, you see all those late-night infomercials, right? Like, as a real estate agent – so I sell, I sell real estate agents, I mean, real estate for a living – and I get calls from those people all the time. They've been up at 2 a.m. watching some infomercial on, you know, how to buy with nobody, no money down, and they want me as an agent to go out and find them the property. So, you know, they're like, okay, look at 100 properties for me, and we'll write offers on 100, and we'll get one. And as a real estate agent, it's not the highest and best use of my time, right? If I have, you know, some deal that kind of falls in my lap, I send to them. But for the most part, I feel like many investors, not all, I've got a couple of really good ones, many of them are big time wasters because they don't really know what they're doing and they want me as the agent to do all the work. I think you're absolutely right. It's not a good use of your time. Um, and it's not, a, it's not really the best position to be in as a real estate investor to have a realtor or two realtors between you and the person selling because um, – I don't know. It's it's easier to, it's easier and more profitable for me when I deal with the seller directly. And so, how do you find how do you find these properties? I mean, obviously, you've bought a lot of them now. So, I'm assuming do you have people that are on a team with you that that help you with this, or are you still out there yourself trying to find these deals? Well, today I have a twenty plus year reputation and I have a team and I don't 
you know, I bought just under 100 houses last year. I bought just under 100 houses in 2015. I never saw any of the houses, and I never saw any of the buyers. I, I, I specialize in um, training people at how to find my houses and how to sell my houses, and 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 I also specialize in raising the private money to get it all funded all the time in time quickly. I mean, I don't I don't have any problem funding deals because I become a master at private money. But I wrote a book called My Life in a Thousand Houses, 200-plus Ways to Find Bargain Properties, which inside that book there's 250 ways because I always over-deliver, Margarita. <laughs> and, um, and man, there's so many ways to find houses. It's It's not even funny, but I like to find houses where I'm not on the beaten path where everyone else is. Everyone's at the courthouse steps. That's one of the ways. Right. I, you won't find me there. I actually, they're paying so much for houses on the courthouse steps right now, I take my problem houses and I foreclose on myself and I go take them to the auction and I and I sell those houses that day for sure and I get the money in 48 hours and it's done. I foreclose on myself on my problem houses. The people are paying such stupid money at the courthouses. I'm, it's like a perfect place to go sell your own house. How's that for some out-of-the-box thinking? Well, that is totally out-of-the-box thinking because you go there and you just talk to the people that are there and sell them something you have, right? No, no. I I foreclose on myself, and it goes through the foreclosure auction, and people pay way too much for it, and, I, and I'm and i uh, happy. Oh, I see. Okay. I get it. We've got I a get bunch of people from China and Russia and California down here spending their money like like there's no tomorrow, and... They come down here and they think, you know, wow, thirty-five thousand dollars for a house. Well, yeah, well, I only paid fifteen for it. So they're down here at the auctions. That's why I don't go to the auctions. Too many dumb people down there paying way, way, way too much for houses. And it dawned on me, wow. why don't I come here to sell my houses? So I just, I just, I just hired a substitute trustee and foreclosed on my, my, my trust and sent them to the auction. And hell, I had my money in forty-eight hours. So what do you recommend for somebody wanting to buy out from out of state, right? Like we talked about how expensive California is. So if somebody wanted to, like I can't even imagine paying fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 for a house where you are. Like that's insane to me. Like you can't even buy a house. You can't even, you can buy nothing here. You can't even buy a mobile home for that. <laughs> well, it's not much of a house at 15000 I'm telling you. it needs. It's probably borderline do I tear it down or do I fix it? Um, and you right. can flip a coin and win either way. But, but um, you know, I, my, the average owner finance house that I'm looking for, I buy for 50, 60, 70, 80, and I sell for, I owner finance for double. So, um, and I know that California doesn't have those kind of houses. Neither does Las Vegas. Neither does... Um, you know, uh, New York City, or there's a lot of places. So I have students that we're that have come and open up shop, and plus the laws. A lot has to do with not just the price of the houses, but what are the foreclosure laws in some of these states? Some of these states, like Florida, man, you can't hardly get a person out of a house. You know, exactly. So, I mean, I figured out how to do the paperwork where you can, and every state's a little bit different because they have different laws. But one of my one of my my assets is that I can talk to attorneys in different states, and 
we can figure out how to paper up a house so that if the person makes the payments on time, they get the house. But if they don't, we don't have a hard time getting them out. Um, but so here's a typical owner finance deal. You want to run through a case study? Typical. Yes, let's do a case study. You have a um, you have a calculator there, so you can punch some numbers for me every now and then. Yep. Hold on. Let me turn it on. Yep. I'm good. I'm ready to go. Okay. Um. So let's say I buy a house for uh fifty thousand bucks, and I okay. know based on the rents that I can owner finance it for like a hundred and ten. And when you own a houses, hundred and ten thousand. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say I'm going to get 10% down, which is the least amount I want down. So on that, I'm going to just say I'm going to get 10,000 down. So I'm going to have a okay. I'm going to have a balance of 100,000. Okay. Um, so and it's going to be 10% for for 30 years. So 10% interest. Yeah. So what is it? The, what is their payment? Do you have an amortization thing or there? I could do it right here real quick. 100,000 times 10% is 10,000 no. a year divided by 12. No, no, no. Oh, 100,000 okay. amortized over 30 years at 10%. Okay, no, I don't have an amortization schedule. Okay, hold on right here. We'll get it. Okay. Okay, so 100,000. You can edit this out if you need to. No. This is good. Let me see if I can pull one up on the Internet here real quick. Uh, I just, well, I, I'm, gonna have beat. I'm I'm done. I'm done right here. Okay, go ahead. So the payment's 800 and. Let's just call it $880 a month, principal and interest, okay? Okay, so okay. That's what I do to collect. Um, and so I can buy it for 50 so I borrow 40 I always borrow 2000 over over what it costs me to buy the house because finding houses isn't free. Okay. So what's, um, what's 52000 and I borrow this money at 8% interest only for five years, non-recourse loan, collateral only loan. So okay. what's 52000 at 8% divided by 12? 50000 times 8% is 4000 52, divided by 12. 52000 times 8% is 4160 divided by 12 is 346. Okay, so... I'm going to collect 881. I'm going to collect 880 minus 3 350. How much is that? 880 minus 350 is 350 minus 530. Okay, do you see where I made $14,000 cash to create a a $530 what did you say? $530 um, so that so that $6,300 a year, you get your money back in like two years and two months. Right? Sixty-three, sixty, fourteen thousand. Oh, hold on a okay. second. My money back. I don't have any money in it. I borrowed fifty-two thousand. I made two thousand when I bought the house. Oh, that's right. And you yeah, sold so- it for. So you doubled your money, really, more than doubled your money. No. Hold on. So do you see where I made $12,000 in my pocket to create a cash flow? What's my cash flow again? 580 minus. Yeah, five. So I, I paid myself $12,000, 2000 when I bought, 
and 10000 in the down payment to create a $530 a month spread of which I am not a landlord. I have no liabilities. If that check comes in the mail and it cashes, that's my money. You see, if you collected 530 in positive cash flow as a landlord, you don't know if it's your money or not because if the air conditioner breaks next week, apparently it's the air conditioner man's money. But, exactly. but I don't have those issues anymore. So do me a favor. Multiply 360 payments times $530. $190,800. Yeah, so $190,000. Let's just call it. So I made a, I made two hundred and two thousand dollars off this house. I have none of my money invested in it, and and the people that loan me the money are making eight percent, and they got a first lien on a house at fifty two thousand dollars on a house that I proved could be sold by a for a hundred and ten because the rent told me it could be sold for a hundred and ten. This man who bought wow. this house is not paying a, much more or much less than he was paying for rent. I, that's the core belief of my business is that a person paying X for rent would rather pay X to own. They just don't know wow. how, and no one's offering them a loan. And then here I come along, and price and interest rate becomes irrelevant because he, has no, he only has two choices, be a landlord at this price per month or be an owner at this price per month. He has no other choice. Wow. That's incredible. So and why so – I, I, go ahead. I did that I did that fifteen hundred times in a row so far and counting. And so now you teach this too, right? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I I'm not a mill house. I can only take about twelve people at a time because when people call I'm the guy who answers the phone and they get all my twenty years and all my fifteen hundred houses of experience. You know, a lot of these guys that sell these courses they pawn you off on some student that did 20 houses last year. There's no way they can know what I know. There's no way. That's so true. And I think that, you know, for so many, they think, oh, well, I can do this myself. Or, you know, like I know even in the real estate industry, having been 23 years in real estate, I've sold 3,500 homes, like the amount of experience in just the little tiny details that you don't think about. You know, I tell people all the time, it's easy to sell a house. It's not easy to close the house, right? Because you got all the parties involved and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, and you can start to smell trouble before it's even coming. And I I know what to do before trouble even starts to hatch. I mean, I, I know, I know what's going to happen. I can, when people start telling me about the conversation they're having with their seller or the conversation they're having with their buyer, I can already tell you where this is going. This is where you better head off. You better head them off right over here. You know, I know what's going to happen. And it's not that I'm a, a genius because I'm not a genius. It's just that I've been, I have been 20 years getting my teeth kicked in, in the same business to where I learned not to get my teeth kicked in. So answer me this question. Let's talk about some of the let's talk about some of your failures. Like how what are some of the what have been some of your biggest mistakes, would you say? Pick one. Well, that's easy. I know exactly what it is. I got so good at raising private money that I that I couldn't buy enough houses. And so um I started loaning money out to other investors, my competitors, if they would, mm-hmm. if they would, if they only needed fifty percent of what I knew I could owner finance the house for, 
and I I loan out like on any given day I have out between six and eight million dollars out on the street of San Antonio. But a builder came by and had all these lots to take down, and I loaned money. I loaned a million dollars on raw land, and in three weeks, Countrywide announced they were insolvent, and the and the recession hit, and there was no way to produce income off a million dollars worth of high-end residential lots, which, by the way, no one set foot on for two and a half years. So that's my wow. biggest mistake. It cost me eight thousand. It cost me eight thousand a month to make my payments to my private people wow. while I was collecting nothing, and it didn't start dwindling down. It was 15 lots, it, and I didn't sell the first lot for two and a half years. And finally, at the end of four years, I sold the last lot. So so the the saving grace was, um, was that during the good times, I had put my money away and invested well. And so I wasn't... My lifestyle didn't change at all. I didn't go under. I didn't miss any meals. If you could see my belly right now, you'd know I didn't miss any meals. <laughs> and 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 um, but it was painful just watching it happen. That every month I had to write an eight thousand dollar check. But because I am a good steward of my money during the good times, I never I never felt it. Um, but that was my biggest mistake. And, uh, and and how I made that mistake was I got out of my lane. I, I, I didn't make a, a living buying lots that needed to be built on. That's not how I made my living. And then when I got out of my lane, I got crushed. So that that's something that, that comes up, too, is that I think I mentioned that we had bought some properties out of state and right before the market crashed. And then the market got the market crashed, and we got – you know, our butts handed to us. I mean, we lost a bunch of money. And so it's, it's how do you figure out, I guess, how do you avoid doing that, right? We are, I mean, I guess we all have to make our mistakes. But no, I but think that's what rest- makes you a little gun shy. My, in the owner finance business, and I bet you if you had understood the owner finance business, I bet you could have, I bet you could have owner financed your properties and you wouldn't have made any money, but you wouldn't have lost any money and you would have held. Because you can sell over the market with owner finance properties. Think about it. When you, when, if I want to owner finance a house to you in Texas right now, and you and, and we agree on the down payment, and you're going to give me the down payment, we agree on the price. We don't need an inspector. I don't need an appraiser. I don't need anything. I just need you to sign the paperwork. I need to go file at the courthouse that you're the owner. I mean, so, uh, and people will pay above market. When you owner finance, think about the Mexican nationals and the Chinese nationals got more money than they'll ever, ever, ever know. To stroke you a $250,000 down payment check for a house that's $50,000 over budget, but they don't have to deal with a bank and it could be done tomorrow. I, I know it doesn't happen. Not, not everybody out there wants to do that, but you're just looking for one. And what's your population of where you live? Millions upon millions? You're looking for one person that says, you know what, I'm giving my daughter a house, a, wed- a, a wedding gift, and it's going to be this house. I'm going to put a large amount down. We're not going to have a bank to deal with, and she's going to have to make the payments. And if she does make the payments, great. And if she doesn't, great, because I, it, I'm i not involved in it anymore. I'm just going to write the down payment. You know, it's funny that you say that about paying uh, above price. So when we bought the home that we live in now, we bought it in 1994. And at the time, 
it was a bank-owned home, but Transamerica Financial was around. This was back in 94. And they would do owner financing. They would do seller financing with 10% interest and 5% down. And so I was able to use my commission, 3% a commission, and we came up with 2% and bought that house, and we were happy to get it at 10%. Like we were so happy to get it. Yes, and, and the, and the so, house is probably at the top of the market, too, the price, right? Well, at that time, we paid 260 which was a good price for, I mean, not a great price, but it was, you know, of course, now the house is worth considerably more when Northern California, yeah. but um, at that time, we paid 260 for it, and uh, which was definitely probably over the market price, yes. We probably paid more, a bit more for it at that okay, time so, so, so than you've we lived could it. have had we not done telefinance. You've lived it, but so there is a way to owner finance more expensive houses, but it's a a couple of you have to make some subtle differences. You have to have right. less expensive underlying debt, which probably means institutional debt, you know, like four percent, five percent, so that when you mark it up a couple of points, you're not so high. Because in expensive houses, you just you can't have a really really high interest rate like ten percent because there's too many dollars racked up the interest rate. But so here's the thing: by now in my life, all I do is. I have a department, an office that it just collects my payments. I average $535 per month positive cash flow on my houses. And I have way, way, way over 100 houses. But just do the math on 100 houses. $535 times 100 houses is how much? 53000 53, per month. 53000 a month. Per month, yeah. Yeah, that's, you know... So so did I ever think that I would be in this position? No, never in my no, wildest no. dreams. Did it happen overnight? No. Um I had I stayed with it. I kept honing my craft. I kept you know getting better. I kept learning how to find houses, learning how to find houses, trying things that didn't work, trying things that worked and then and then ramping them up. And um you know making mistakes and and uh and, un- un- and figuring out how to not make that mistake again. So h- how do I set myself up so this doesn't happen again? You know, I-, I was constantly getting back up, dusting myself off, going, well, that didn't feel too good. I wonder how I stopped that from happening. And then you'll talk to your lawyers or your CPAs or whoever, and you go, how do you stop this? What you- how- what's the solution to this? And they start giving, you know, give you some answers. Sometimes we'd have to go to think tanks where there would be 20 people in a room when I couldn't solve a problem, I'd put 20 people in a room and say, okay, I'm buying lunch for all you guys. The first person who talks about something besides what, what, what the problem is that we need to solve, the bill gets passed to them. So this is, <laughs> this is a terrific story because all the people that I know can't keep their mouth shut. They're kind of like <laughs> me. And so I knew I wasn't going to have to pay for the 20 people's dinner when I set it up. And I didn't. <laughs> The first guy came in and said, "Hey, how's your how's your wife and how's your wife doing?" And I said, "Hey, now you have the bill." He said, and the other guy looked at, at me and says, "He can't even ask you how your wife is." I said, "Now you have the bill." And so we got pretty serious pretty fast, and and, uh, and I didn't have the bill in the first five minutes. So. Uh, well, I love that idea too of you know getting other people to help you solve the problem. I think many times our ego gets in the way when you when you say and, and we think we gotta figure it all out by ourselves and I know my favorite quote is the most successful people that I know have asked for help. 
they get help from somewhere or someone. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I still, I still get help all the time. Um, you know, one of the reasons though that I coach uh, and mentor people is, at first I thought, well, I was retired and I was getting super bored, and so I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll just go help some people. And I was helping people for free, and they weren't doing a dang thing. Right. And when I started charging them, I started getting around to the people, and I started having the result of the business that I wanted. What I wanted out of it was. I wanted people to be able to quit their jobs. I wanted to, to ring the bell and say, wow, you don't have to work anymore at the job that you've been working at for 20 years. That's what I wanted, but I couldn't get it from people that weren't paying for the education. When I started charging exactly. people for education, I started finding those people that were winning, that were that would eventually win, you know, be it a year or 18 months or two years. They would eventually ring the bell and tell their boss, sorry, I don't need your services anymore. Well, even for you, you said the difference for you was when you paid that mentor $10,000 to help you and how life-changing that was. You know, a friend of mine always says, if you have a fallback plan, you'll fall back. So if you're not willing to put, you know, your money on the line, then you're usually going to go figure out something else. You're going to go do go a different direction. I found the same thing in my coaching program. The people who get it for free do absolutely nothing with it. And the ones who are vested, have a vested interest, are definitely going to put more energy, time, and effort into it. Yeah, and, and so, and what the other thing that 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 um, mentor that I paid did for me, and what I do for the people that come to me is I change their. That mentor changed my belief system. He changed what I thought was possible, and when he changed it, um, uh, and once I be- believed it in my heart then I could go on forward, but I was capped right there because my belief system was capping me. I have this, I have this, I said this one time and someone pointed it out and they said it was a neat quote, so, you know, kudos to that guy for finding something I said that was, that he thought was neat, but what I had said at the time was, (laughs) success begins when your belief system concludes, I can do this. That's so true. You know, because, like, Robert Allen's nothing down. I read and read and read about how I could be in real estate and didn't have to have any of my own money. But I, I, it took me seven years to own the concept in my heart. Finally, I bought, I wanted a house so bad, someone says, well, put it on a credit card. And I said, okay, I will. And then I bought a house with none of my own money, and I finally, then it hit me, and I owned the concept in my heart. I, I, don't, I don't have to have my own money to be in this game. And in fact... I, um, what you really need to be to be in this game, if you don't have money, you become a professional deal maker and you find outstanding deals on properties and the money will come to the deal. The money doesn't come to you. The money is, is, is drawn in by the deal. You're just like two legs and two arms and a megaphone. If you have this tremendous deal, like you can buy a $500,000 house in California for, for, for $250,000 for whatever reason, you can buy it. You got it under contract, and you have 30 days to close on it. You just you're you're just two legs, two arms, and a megaphone. Your legs are to walk around town. Your arms are to hold that deal up over your head, and your mouth is to shout at the top of your lungs, "Look what I've got! Who wants a piece of this? Bring the money. I got the deal. You bring the money. We'll split." And I split for many years in my career because half of something was way better than 100% of nothing. And after a exactly. while, I didn't need the money people anymore. 
but I still use other people's money to buy houses. Because how many houses can I buy with my money? It's a finite number. No matter what the number is, I run out of money at some point. How many houses can I buy with OPM? Unbelievable amounts of money. As many as you want. As many as you can find. Unbelievable amounts of houses. Yeah, 1,500, 1,000, 100 a a year, even 100 a month if I could get to that level. And I know people buying way more houses than me, but they're not doing it with their own money. And they're giving up a little bit of the, 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 the money that they're making to the person providing the money, whether it's an interest rate or a partner. They're giving up. So do you... Do you primarily buy right there in your own area, though, or have you started buying out of your area? I buy in my own area because I live in a town with 2 million people or a little over 2 million, if you count the surrounding little suburbs or whatever, and there's no need for me to go anyplace else. The houses are the, the, houses are the cheapest in the world for the quality they are in San Antonio, right. Texas. I bought 30. In the recession, get this, in the recession, my owner finance houses appreciate. Because what happens, my, my model is based on the rents. I back into the sales price based on the rents. What happens to the rents when no one can borrow money during a recession to buy a house? They go up. What happens to rents? They go up. They go so up. in the recession right. of 2008, my houses were appreciating in value because the rents were going up. And I'm using that number to back into my sales price. And so what happens, it's, actually a recession is the, the perfect storm because what happens to the price of houses when no one can borrow money? They go down. Yeah, so in the recession is like the perfect storm for my owner finance strategy. And the reason is I've taken out the bank on both ends. I don't need the bank to buy the house, and I don't need the bank to sell the house. So when the bank's not loaning money and the prices are dropping, I'm still buying at the low of the low. And then when I'm, then usually that's where everyone's formula breaks down because they've got to find someone to sell the house to, and, they, and that normally requires a bank. Well, I don't need a bank to sell the house either. And, and as a matter of fact, I just base my sales price on whatever the rents are, and I try to make the payment of my house equal to the payment of the rent, and and that works in hundred in houses that are under one hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, you know, close that works better on houses that are closer to a hundred thousand, but it'll work. And and so all of a sudden, my business is booming in the recession. In two thousand and nine, at the height of the recession, I was buying a house a day, a house a wow. day. In February, about 28 houses. The most expensive house, 38,000. The least expensive house, 12,000. And I was buying at prices from 15 years ago. If you read my book, wow. My Life in a Thousand Houses, Failing Forward to Financial Freedom, it's about the 1990, about, it's about the year 2000, 2001, 2002, maybe back to 1996. And the prices had gone down to that. And I was able to buy like crazy because I was not using bank money. I was using, I was using Uncle Fred's money and and Joe Blow's money and Tom Smith down the street who had a used to be worth two million dollars, but he lost half of it in the stock market. He's never going back. He's still got a million left, and he ain't going to the stock market. So guess where it's sitting? It's sitting in CDs making less than one percent. So here I come offering him eight percent. And giving him a first lien on a house, so if he doesn't get paid, he at least gets a house. But not just at least gets a house. I average fifty-two percent LTV. If the house is worth a hundred, I average buying it and borrowing fifty-two thousand dollars on a hundred thousand. That's my average loan. So a guy can loan me fifty-two thousand and have a hundred thousand dollar house as collateral. Let me ask you this question, Marguerite: If everyone in Bernie Madoff's pyramid scheme 
would have had a house given to them for every $50,000 they invested, would any of them be broke? No, they wouldn't. No, they might even be better off than they were when they when they handed him the money. Because you know what I mean? When you when, when you put up 50,000 and you get back a $100,000 house, you should be able to make some money off that. Well, and in a lot of ways too, it you know, of course it always sounds so simple in in so many ways, right? Um, well, but yeah, obviously, it sounds simple. But it, it's way simpler when you have somebody that can guide you and direct you on how to do it without making the major mistakes. Well, look, the theories the theories are simple. The theories are real simple. It's not the, it's not the theories that, that mess us up. It's the people. When you start really doing it, it's the people that mess you up. You run into people, and they're all different, and they all have different motives, and they all can hurt you, and they all can help you. You have to figure out which one they are. And they all want to give you their opinion, right? <laughs> yeah, but I'm talking about even when you're... Who, who am I? Who is this buyer? He has the money right. down, but who is he? I mean, did right. I need to do some background searches and stuff? I mean, did he murder the last landlord who bugged him too much for the for <laughs> just out of prison, you know, for killing his last landlord or what? Well, who is the right. guy? Right. You know? so, well, so what? Is, so now that you've figured all this out, what is what is next for you? Uh, are you just continuing to buy properties? Like, what are you doing now? Well. The next thing to do after that was to figure out how to make the system run without me having to be there. How long have we been trying to get this podcast going today? About three hours? Because we About, have technical yes. difficulties? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I don't have anywhere to report because they're buying houses right now in my hometown and they're selling them right now. And they're all getting without taken you. care of. So the next, the, the, that, that, that next challenge was to figure out how to, how to give up some of the money I was making in the name of freedom and, and be able to do it. Uh, without me being there, I thought I was going to have to take a cut and pay. What happened was the machine got so greased and so efficient because everybody started doing just what they were good at and only what they were good at, and they only had one thing to do. Like they just were finding houses or they just were selling houses or they just were doing the paperwork, doing the closings, that I ended up buying more houses and my paycheck went up. I thought I thought I'd have to give up some money to get people to help me and take a cut and pay because I'd have to pay them. What happened was I started making more money because it became a really efficient machine. And so next for me now is, that, is I'm, I had all this time again. I start to get bored, and I get bored really easily. If you haven't noticed, <laughs> I have a, a mild case of ADD. Have you noticed? <laughs> I think that the most successful people do. It's not even really mild. It's pretty horrible. That's why I've written <laughs> three books, have seven companies, and... and so now I'm going to teach people about who want to do this, how they how they might do it, or how I did it, to see if they can improve on it. But I'll show you how I did it, and 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 I'll over you know help you overcome some of the things that you believe that are simply not true. You know, you know people. What's your default rate? You must have you know people tear up your house. No, people don't tear up my houses. They gave me ten, twelve, fifteen thousand down. It's their house. They don't tear up their house. They only tear up your house. My strategy is not, it's not, it's not my house, it's their house. They don't tear up their house. When I was a landlord, they so tear true. up my house. That is so true. I mean, because I know, so at, So the next part for me is after we got crushed with that rental property, right, we were we went to this workshop on how to buy notes, just the note part, mm-hmm. um, which there was good and bad in it. So we ended up buying 
we ended up trying to figure out how to buy a note. So we decided to buy two notes. My husband researched one and I researched one. <clears throat> and unfortunately, the one that, that uh, he picked, I like to I tell him this all the time, didn't go so well. The note, we had to figure out some different laws. It was in Pennsylvania and bankruptcy laws. Pennsylvania is when, really hard. It really, they look yeah. at owner financiers as criminals. Yeah, we, we made we made a mistake on that one. So we ended up losing that property completely and lost, I think, about $20,000. But then we bought one in Ohio where we found got a defaulted note for like $6,000. <clears> they had a program going on in the state of Ohio at the time where the state would give you $25,000 if you would reduce the principal balance and allow the people to get back into the positive. So we paid $6,000 for a note. The house was, um, they reduced the balance to $50,000. We got a $25,000 grant from the state to allow that, and now they make payments. And so that one actually worked out, that one note. <clears throat> but we got, you know, scared, of course, and, and, and didn't do it again. So that note is still, you know, being paid on, which is good. So that one ended up being a good deal. Um, so here's but, here's the greatest strategy on the planet as far as I'm concerned. You ready? This is the greatest yep. strategy ever invented as far as Mitch Steven is concerned. It's buy yep. it, don't fix it, owner finance it for double, and then let the person making walk then watch the person making a payment to you every month go over budget repairing and fixing up your collateral. Yeah. You see, I can well, only finance a house that has a, that has a, a hole in the roof the size of a dining room table. If we all agree and you see it and I point it out, you know there's a hole in the roof, right? Yeah, well, this is the price. You get the hole and you get the house. And they say, <laughs> okay, because I can fix that. So I buy it for one price. I don't touch it. I own or finance it for a drastically different price, usually around double, plus a down payment, double plus a down payment. And then I watch that person go over budget on the rehab, fixing up my collateral. That's the greatest strategy on the planet. That is I'll the greatest that. strategy, clearly. Yeah, for I, sure. I'll do, that. I'll do that every single time. Well, I'll tell you what. I think that that is about – I agree with you, and, and you've inspired me for sure to uh, re-look at this, right? Of course, probably not here in California, but re-look at, at that area. And so you are doing coaching and training now, right? And so we have links that we'll be able to pass out for people to get a hold of you. But you also have a podcast too, right? Yeah, I do. It's the Real Estate Investor Summit podcast. Real Estate Investor Summit. Real Estate Investor Singular Summit um, podcast. It's on iTunes. And I do three interviews. Uh, I do three three episodes a week. And I think I have like 50, 60 episodes right now. And it's going and really, 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 really well. Are they case study type stories, or just interviewing other people who are doing what what you've taught it, them? It's it's a little bit of everything. Everything, anything I think that would benefit uh, an aggressive or, or attentive real estate investor who wants to learn. And you can learn. We can learn from everybody, even if they're doing different exactly. strategies from us. We can, or, or or they're doing things we don't agree with. I mean, I I don't really like the landlord model, but. There's some people I'd go to if I wanted to do that, you know, that I think are really smart and have it figured out for them. I just don't like being a landlord, period, for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, mostly hot water heaters, windows, doors, garage doors, faucets, sinks, showers, um, electricians, 
fuse boxes, ACs, heaters. I could go on, but you get my you point. Get Those are the reasons on. I don't like being a landlord. Well, I'll tell you what, Mitch, for somebody with a, a simple Ph.D., right, public high school diploma, <laughs> uh, you have clearly done extremely well for yourself, and you're really an inspiration. I do have to tell you I'm inspired to to be, to be get out there and see what the options are for me personally, and hopefully some of our listeners will, will look at the same thing. So we're going to post links on how to get a hold of you on our show notes uh, for sure on our podcast today. And you do have three awesome books, which I can't wait to read, that you have out there. Are those available, like, on Amazon, or can they order them off your site? You have My Life and A Thousand Houses, three different topics, which are sailing forward to financial freedom, 200-plus ways to find bargain properties, and the art of owner financing. And so for more info about these books, you guys can go to a thousandhouses.com is a great site. That's your site, a thousandhouses.com, and people can go check it out and and learn yeah, more I about give, how to work with you. I, I give away a ton of stuff there. If you go to 1000houses.com, that's 1000houses.com, and click on the the free stuff tab, uh, there's an hour and 40-minute PowerPoint presentation on exactly how I ma- uh, manipulate properties to make a profit and to make renters into homeowners and how to make neighborhoods better. There's a lot of good things that happens when we buy these old houses and, and, and owner finance them to people. Uh, there's a ton of free stuff in there. If you click on the tab that says Mitch's books, you can order my books there. It, you, you will find them the cheapest there than anywhere in the world. Uh, okay. It's not by just a little bit, but you'll also get autographed copy for sure because every book that comes out of my office is autographed, if that means anything to anybody. <laughs> and, and, awesome. um, you, but, you, but you can go and see all the reviews at Amazon. I have over uh, 200 five-star reviews on the first book, and uh, I don't remember the other ones, but they all have great reviews. And um, I will tell you this, too, in all transparency, see, I'm an honest guy, Marguerite. I'm going to tell you, every time you look at the reviews, the first 10 reviews are me and my family members. So don't 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 put any weight on the first 10. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's how we all get started, right? Like, mom is your biggest supporter, and always. <laughs> right. So, so the first ten are bogus. Just don't even pay attention to it. But everything after that is legit. That's awesome. Well, you know what? As we wrap up today, I have to tell you, Mitch, this has been such a, a fun day. I'm going to say day because we clearly started a couple hours ago trying to get this podcast recorded. We tried to do video and a number of other things, and um, you've been a real trooper in hanging in with me, and uh, I really appreciate your time and, and attention and energy. This has been fantastic. I'm sorry for laughing so hard, but but it just got to a point. It got to a point, and I was like so relieved to know that that stuff doesn't just happen to me. It happens to other people too. I thought it was just me that this stuff happens to. Isn't that funny? Like we think we're like the only one in the world that uh, that happens to, but no, it it happens, and it's so frustrating when you're in the middle of it. But I appreciate your patience, and thank you so much for joining us today. No, hey, I appreciate you, man. It's been fun. This has been fantastic. As we finish up, you guys, don't hesitate to go to realestaterealworld.com. Download our podcast. Be sure and write us a review so we can get past the uh, friends and family and and let us know what you think. And we'll have show notes on Mitch Stevens and how to get a hold of him and all of his brilliant wisdom. So thank you very much, Mitch. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on Real Estate Real World. 
where we talk with masters and leaders in real estate and beyond on how we can raise the bar in our industry. Please subscribe over on iTunes. And while you're there, be sure to give us a review. Your reviews encourage us and help others find our podcast. For show notes and hot topics on what's going on right now in our real estate industry, hop on over to www.realestaterealworld.com and add your name to our email. Thanks again for listening. And go out there. Be a part of the elite masterclass in raising the bar on the real estate industry.